Hello, and thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. I appreciate you guys checking this episode out. Coming into 2021 now. Pretty cool that uh, we're here. There you go, 2020. Thanks a lot. So I was uh, thinking about talking about some of the studio stuff that I've been up to. Last uh, couple months of podcasts, I've been really focusing in on some of the outdoor wilderness uh, kind of photo trip stuff that I've done in relation to kind of going outside and moving around. But uh, yeah, as uh, as not as unaccustomed to the podcast, I also try and talk about some computer stuff and some uh, studio stuff too. So I wanted to talk a bit about what I've been trying to do. And now that it's kind of winter time, especially these months here through the holidays, through like Thanksgiving to Christmas, I really, you know, I wasn't going out to travel or jump around much at all. Um, I should have gone more fishing more. That's kind of like when my fishing license ended. Now I got to get my fishing license renewed 2021. I want to go out earlier this year and uh, try and hit up a, a couple spots. And I've been trying to do more of that stuff of, of uh, like learning to fish a little bit better and a little bit more regularly. And uh, there's a couple of ponds that are sort of near my house that I am able to go to that um, I can use that recreation pass for to get free parking there. But I think they stock those ponds with trout and then as it kind of gets closer to the summertime, there's like sunfish and crappie that are in the pond and stuff. And I'm, I'm trying to do just some sort of fun recreational fishing in the morning. But there's also the Alsea River out here that uh, really comes into its own. Uh, just like this last month through November for like this uh, winter steelhead season. And then I think it comes in through like February. It gets back into steelheading and stuff. So that's pretty cool. I haven't really gone steelhead fishing before. I haven't got a, a steelhead tag before. So I've just kind of been doing the trout fishing stuff out of the rivers and, and stuff around this area. But uh, it's been kind of fun doing that sort of stuff. And it's also been pretty light stuff, too. But getting into the studio stuff, I've been trying to do some studio work. I've been trying to set up um, some studio lights, which is kind of fun. And it's really like a good time of year to do it. That's sort of what I was saying is, yeah, this is like kind of rainier, winterier part of, of uh, Oregon's winter season it's kind of nice to be inside a little bit and to have a couple of the projects going in this time of year i'm really trying to to lock in um automating some work for the rest of the year so what i'm trying to do through january and part of february what i've been also trying to do through december is get a couple of the books that i want to come out i want to get those prepped and really almost done and then i can have that ready to release in february ready to release in april ready to release in june and then i can kind of stage those things out through the year but a lot of that preparatory work is already done now during this kind of block of studio time where I can kind of focus myself on being inside and doing some more desk work, that sort of stuff. And, uh, and so there's a lot, I don't know, God, ugh, ugh, there's a lot of sales work stuff that I got to get to, but that is going to be stuff that I do kind of later in the year when that sort of comes up into its own season. But, uh, for some of this content stuff, some of the studio work that I'm trying to put together, I can do that now, um, through a, a period of time in the winter and, um, sort of do a lot of the inside indoor work, trying to put together yeah, some book writing, some text stuff, and then also trying to put together some kind of studio video stuff and some of the editing stuff that I need to get through. So I've been trying to go through and um, one of my efforts and what I've already kind of been working on sort of since the fall was uh, trying to do some sort of photo screencast uh, video channel. And I'm trying to get that together. I've been working on the format of it a little bit. 
and trying to make it uh, something that's functional and compelling, but also sort of a simple amount of work that just, I don't want to overcomplicate. That's sort of the thing I've seen as a problem in a lot of YouTube channels or a lot of pieces of content that are out there is that they sort of get a little too fancy, I guess would be an easy word to put on it, but a little too complicated, a little too few many editing processes that, that kind of all end up stacking up on each other and making a project uh, I think too difficult to really commit to continuing to do unless everything's all sort of condensed into, you know, a single production act or something. So I'm trying to go through and sort of uh, structure out some of these pieces a little bit more like that where I can go in and um, I'm trying to do a screencast where I do and go through and talk about like a photo that I worked on, talk a little bit about it. But then also really a lot of it is about talking about specific adjustments and changes to do. Uh, in Lightroom specifically in this case, but then uh, but then kind of more overall in photo editing and, and sort of uh, bringing out um, some certain aspect in a photo through a maneuver of photo editing. So it kind of talks about like going into black and white or going into color editing or trying to change like hue and saturation to bring out more feeling of a photo. And then also kind of trying to identify, well, what is like the photo saying or what what is it when I took the photo am I trying to describe? And all that should be kind of a clear uh message of communication from the moment that you kind of pick up the camera and try and grab something to communicate to then when you bring it into your editing studio and try and pull out those elements that you saw that you liked uh, at the beginning of it. And so that's sort of uh, some of the stuff that I'm, that I'm doing to, to try and bring out um, some different images. And I'm also trying to assemble, the, assemble those edited images into pieces of content that'll go up and then pieces of video content that'll go up and then also books that I'm trying to put together. And so the books have been kind of fun. I've been talking about photo books for a long time. There's a couple photo books up on my website that you can go to. Some people call them monographs. I don't know totally what that means. I think that's when it's specifically a, a multiple number of photos about one specific piece of work or one specific thing. You know, So you could do a monograph about a statue and then it's a number of – or a monograph about this – flower garden and then it's photos from that flower garden i think a lot of my work is a little bit more abstracted from that about different locations different times different sequences of, of events that all kind of get uh, accumulated together to sort of describe a more full context of something later than uh, than something all at once like instead of like taking pictures of uh, just like one single camping trip or something i'd like to kind of put together a book of all the camping trips i've gone on and sort of assemble you know those images and, and kind of talk a little bit about like the camping stuff that i do like i've talked about in this podcast or camping tips or tricks or that kind of stuff is i, I want to try and write it out and also visualize it in a lot of the photographs that i've got um, from working in the field over the last you know 11 years or so um, so i want to try and put all of those photographs together in use and with a lot of like new video and new photos and stuff too and i'm trying to put together some fine art stuff it's been kind of cool having a little bit more time to sort of uh, shuffle these photos around and play with them and then look at these these different images sort of in combination with each other and sort of see what is cool and what works well and what kind of plays off each other well. And then I'm hoping to put those out as digital services through the year so that there's some, some fine art books of the photographs that I've made going out. But I also want to have those as, uh, as like fine art print books available too. And I think that's really cool getting to have like that full printed desktop piece of work available. And as it is, part of the style that I'm going through right now is just to make them as simple as possible. I'm really trying to do big images, sort of nearly full screen on the page as it prints. I'm also trying to not mess with my bleeds too much. That's sort of another complication. You'd think like, oh, we'll just full screen everything or whatever it is. I really don't like how that recrops my images and I really don't like how the... Um, 
what is it like the the print threshold sort of clips a little bit of that bleed line off so it always kind of pulls a little bit of my photo so what i'm trying to do is leave like a white rim and then get my photo as it was originally cropped whether like five by seven or square or rectangle or kind of near panoramic and i'm trying to lay that out in the photo in a way um, so that it kind of represents the photo as it was uh, originally or you know in its best method of, uh, of showing it in a print and uh, and it's kind of it's kind of cool going through all these pictures, kind of setting them up in these uh, these layouts, and then looking at them as a format in an ebook, and then also to be produced into different photo books. And I've got a few of my photo books around. It's cool it's over like the holidays and stuff. I've got the uh, the bookshelf out. I, we had the tree up and stuff. I had the bookshelf up, and I'd been pulling out like different uh, photo books that I had had, and then kind of leaving those out on the, the tabletop and going through them and looking at these different pictures and stuff that I've gone through over the years. And it's fun to get to see that sort of stuff, or to get to go through and like, oh man, yeah, I remember seeing these pictures and having that that real tactical or that tactile uh, physical object, that artifact in front of you, is uh, is a cool part of making art and making products and making photos and stuff. So that's what I'm trying to do a bit and kind of get set up uh, with a few of those sort of loaded in the chamber for 2021, which has been uh, pretty fun. And so that's kind of some of the studio work that I'm going through. And uh, a lot of that is like, yeah, I jump into like for the screencast stuff. I'm kind of trying to like line up stuff so that I get to sort of knock off a few jobs all at once. So with the screencasting stuff, a little bit is uh, I've gone into Lightroom and I've made these different collections of, of sets of photos that I want to try and get into. Uh, re-edit, tweak a little bit, recrop, and like I'm saying, kind of get ready for print in these photo books, and then also to equally go out in these um, these photography ebook collections of you know fine art photography ebook collections. So as I go through and, and make the edits of this photo, what I'm going to try and do uh, is uh, do a screencast video. So I capture the video from the computer of me working on the photograph, and then kind of walking through it and talking about the different steps and changes that I'm making. And then also trying to get a, a wider shot, like a real view of, of my hands and stuff working and sort of uh, the, the, tac- the tactile elements and changes and stuff that I'm making to the, uh, to the photograph. And I've got a way of displaying that that I think should work okay. Maybe it'll just be complicated, but we'll see how it goes. But I'm trying to put together this uh, set of screencasts that I can put up. I'll probably end them up or have them end up on YouTube for a while. Uh, we'll kind of see what other video opportunities there are out there for me but uh, as it goes just kind of for a shorter thing it'll be uh, on my website and on the youtube channel so that i can have some uh, some video content of uh, of editing some photos and hopefully that's uh, the uh, a part of a solution to a problem that uh, people might have out there i know there's no shortage of people uh, editing through different pieces but uh, but i also think that i should have uh, kind of my take on how to work with photographs and how to move some stuff around. And I think I have some ideas that are different than what other people are sometimes talking about, but we'll see how it is. I don't know. Probably a lot of it will be utilitarian sort of stuff of just do this. And this is how that gets done. And then other stuff will be, I think uh, a little more artsy is sort of how it's going, where I'm kind of talking about different ideas uh, or sort of kind of the, 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 the artistic kind of poetic Part, the human the the human part of taking photos especially taking landscape and nature photos where you don't really see the eyes and the personality of a person in front of you you have to sort of represent the eyes and the interest and the the meaning of a photograph of nature um and you have to kind of find out like those pieces that make it as interesting as a person's human face and so that's kind of a, an interesting and kind of tricky thing to do sometimes so it's kind of cool and that's sort of what i'm trying to explore with uh with doing some of these screencast pieces probably video overall is going to be a bigger part of some of the work that i'm trying to uh, assemble over this next year i've been trying to look at like some live streaming options talked about that a little bit before of uh 
doing some stuff with um, with Twitch, and then I'm also looking at the YouTube live streaming options, and I'm trying to look at like different pieces of software. Like uh, I was working with the the Twitch software that uh, is like the Twitch live streaming studio software that they have. I downloaded that. I tried it out. It's working well. It's working pretty simply. I, uh, I can kind of handle some, some easy stuff with that. And then I'm also looking at the, uh, the open broadcasting software that I think is also out there. I think that's a free service. I think it's open source and I think it's also pretty, pretty well developed. Uh, but you can download that, that uh, OBS software. And then if you do a bit of configuration on it, you can get, a computer that you have set up as a live streaming server with a few different scenes, intros, outros, uh, and really almost no time. And you can have like a pretty professional stream set up uh, just as the rest of the live streamers do out there. So uh, live streaming is cool. I don't know if I have an exact use for it for the photography stuff that I do, but I'm also trying to figure out a way of sort of implementing that uh, and implementing some video and YouTube channel stuff around the photographs that I have. But outside of an informational way, I'm trying to do that in a more uh, surreal, abstract, artistic way of uh, sort of demonstrating some content and, uh, and doing some live streaming and stuff with that. So hopefully I can kind of get, uh, get that all up and running and in, in line. And I have a lot of content and stuff that I have to make for that. It was, my idea for live streaming really is to do a bunch of pre-recorded elements um, of abstract uh, kind of nature elements and then assemble those together so that I have um, like a pretty extended period video of streaming and so I'm trying to do that in sort of an abstract way and uh, I don't know we'll kind of see you about a couple of the, the ideas that I have right now and how they come together over time but it's cool and I'm kind of learning some stuff about it and uh, I'm getting to check out some some cool pieces of video while I'm up to it so it's kind of giving me a couple of good ideas and that's uh, that's something that's uh, kind of fun it's uh, it's always fun to have a couple new ideas coming coming through so one thing I wanted to talk about and in part of this was uh, working with YouTube and kind of figuring out different things that I want to do with YouTube Part of that is uh, is working to make what do I say like uh, we're going to make an archive or working to to keep some of the videos and some of the the pieces of content that you come across on the internet. Like I think uh, just like a month ago, the Joe Rogan podcast. I listen to that one all the time. That one uh, you know went exclusive to Spotify, so the videos are off YouTube. The podcast MP3s are off the feed stream that used to be available on the podcast app and so now it's only exclusively available through spotify cool and it works fine and it's nice but you don't have those uh, videos available to you on youtube anymore and so there's a whole bunch of youtube videos that have come and gone or have uh, been uh what is it like restricted to restricted by your geographic region i've had a bunch of music that i'd listen to get restricted by geographic region and these are just sort of weird remixes or bootlegs and stuff i probably won't be able to find them again or it's a bunch of these uh kind of like independent music producer djs over the last 10 years that really only ever put their album out on on soundcloud you know let alone youtube or spotify or or whatever it is so you just kind of find these sort of strange versions laid out in different places um, so one of the things I'm trying to do is build an archive of different videos that I think are cool or interesting or the ones that I want to have around. And I'm trying to use this tool uh, to, to do that. And I've been learning about it. It's called uh, YouTube-DL. I don't know if you guys have worked with Terminal or if you have a Mac. I think you can now use it with uh, with Windows, like Win32 EXE systems. Um, but you go to, I think if you search for YouTube-DL, You'll go to this um, this YouTube download page. I think it's a it's like a, a terminal. They have a web page. They have some documentation on how to use it. But you also have to go to GitHub to download the binaries. 
<laughs> or, or you'll have to go to GitHub to get some of the parts of it or get some of the information of it. But it's a terminal program. So that means that it's like all text input. There's no graphic user interface uh, to help you like click a button, you know, insert the link, click the button, have the video download. It's not really quite like that. It should be. Maybe. I guess there's uh, people that might have worked with uh, with these kind of tools to make to make some graphical software that can do YouTube downloading stuff. But this has really worked the most seamless uh, and has gotten me the best quality results so far outside of uh, some of those um, free YouTube downloading software sites. I think there's been like a few websites that have sort of performed the services for me and they haven't really been as high quality uh, and they haven't provided me an ad free experience. There's a lot of ads. There's a lot of spam. There's a lot of what seems like kind of weird spyware stuff. And I don't really want to download video like large files from those sites let alone small files from those sites so this youtube dl feature has worked pretty well and what it does is it kind of works out of uh sort of the 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 internet system if you put a url of a page in that has a video file linked on it this system in terminal will grab that file select the best quality web downloadable file that it has i think by default it's been mp4 every time for me and you can download the video right from the YouTube page. And uh, you don't see the YouTube page. You just go to the YouTube page in your normal browser. You grab that link of that video specifically. You go to your terminal page. You type in YouTube-DL, and then you put a space, and then do a dash F. That's like your modifier. And I think this dash lowercase F allows you to select which version of the video to download. So then you have to put in your information about which video to download, that's where you type in best. So it's YouTube-DL space dash F and then the word best. And then you copy and paste the link from the YouTube page into your terminal there. You hit enter and then the terminal program will run. It says it's going to the site. It says it's grabbing the file. It says it's downloading it. It downloads the video. Then it downloads the audio. Then it compiles the two of those files together and then renders that out to a single file in a folder on your computer. And then now you have a high-resolution MP4 of the video that had been on YouTube. So I'm trying to go around, really, I'm trying to go around to my friends' YouTube channels and find those videos that had happened of me in the past or of my friends or of different events that we'd had that I don't have access to. Those are their photos, it seems like, or their videos at this point. And uh, it's probably said it's like 10 years old now. I don't even know if I could find some of it. But there's copies of stuff that I don't have that I want to have. And this tool allows me to grab that file and keep it on my computer so I can play it and put it on an external hard drive and I have it archived anywhere I want. That's been pretty cool. And I was thinking about that after some of these podcasts went offline. And I've had this happen to a couple other podcasts in the past where I think it was a podcast that was run through um, like a company, like an iHeart radio, radio station that had an, that had a, a person put out a podcast. Then that radio station component went out of business, not iHeartRadio, but just whatever this person's component of that business was. And now that feed disappeared. And now whatever was hosting all those MP3s is now gone. So you don't get access to any of those uh, radio shows anymore or any of those podcasts anymore. And uh, so having that kind of come through, I was thinking, man, you know, someday it's going to be hard to get a hold of some of these videos that I think are, it's easy to get a hold of now. Or someday it's like, man, it's just, it's all these things are going to be in the same spots forever. So if it's, uh, if it's in the top 10 of my favorite things that I kind of always seem to go back to, I'm going in and I'm trying to grab that and make an archive of that so that I have a, a full copy of that on a hard drive 
uh, stashed away on the side. But it's cool. Yeah, I can kind of pull it up anytime, grab some of those uh, those videos that I've wanted to have in an archive and, and watch them or play them at any time. And it's cool uh, for some of the other stuff that I'm trying to do. Like if you have like a playlist of music that you listen to on YouTube, but you want those artists to have, or you want that copy of a song on your device or your phone or your computer so you can play it anytime you want without having to go to that youtube page you can use this service download that whole playlist of videos all at once almost seamlessly and get that whole collection of videos or you can have it select just the sound part of it if you get kind of into the into the program enough you can have it select just the audio for it and you can have just the sound come out of it or you can download the whole music video itself and have those on your computer but um, but yeah, I think YouTube doesn't like it. You can also use this service on any other website too. So if you go to any website that has like a, a video link file on it, it will be able to grab that file and in a pretty good way, it'll be able to pull that video file down onto your computer so you can watch it um, as uh, as just a full regular MP4 file. It's pretty cool. I've been liking doing some of that stuff and uh, it's kind of fun getting to do it. But uh, I don't know, yeah. That's kind of my advice to everybody is uh, make an archive. If there's a bunch of data that's out there that uh, you want to have and you're not really sure how to get to it, but someone else is in charge of that, you should be in charge of it. If you can, find a way to make an archive or a backup of uh, a bunch of the the data that you want to have. I've tried to do that with all my photos personally and all the videos that I've made, but there's a bunch of videos and photos that other people have made that uh, I don't get to have a copy of. And so you can ask them for it. Eh, It kind of comes and goes, you know, depending on the... Uh, the the capacity of small jobs that the other person has, but uh, but a lot of time, yeah, that's that stuff kind of gets lost, and I don't have it, or I don't get to see it anymore. And a lot of my favorite shows or content or pieces get uh, kind of pulled, and they just don't get to exist anymore in the way that uh, that you would have preferred to have it. What was it? I think like this last year, the Merry Christmas Charlie Brown was pulled from all services, not allowed to be seen on television, and only available through uh, Apple TV. Is that right? pretty wild huh so i don't know yeah i want to have it and i want to have it just on my computer so i can watch it anytime so i guess uh there's ways to go about doing that and uh i think it's uh it's kind of cool to have a copy of some stuff archived back on your computer i got yeah like a bunch of the podcasts i listen to i grabbed their full archive and i just threw that on a big hard drive that i've got it was easy to do i was able to do it pretty quickly podcasts are easy because they want you to download them you just kind of click download 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 <laughs> and I was able to spike their server, you know, spike their uh, their data charge for the month. I'm sure, you know, these podcasts are big enough. My ins- inconsequential download of 200 podcasts is probably uh, small beans for what they're used to. But it was cool. Yeah, going through, getting a copy of all that stuff. And now it's like, well, hey, I got all the stuff that I wanted. And, uh, and the risk of kind of losing a bunch of the stuff isn't really going to happen. And uh, just because I got a copy of it all. So yeah, make an archive, buy a hard drive. They're pretty cheap. You can get uh, like eight terabytes. It's like 140 bucks. It's great. It's wild that you can get so much now. In fact, I just had a hard drive fail, like a four terabyte drive I had. That's what I'm talking about, hard drives and backing up stuff. I'll get into this more too, but God. Hard drive failed. The arm of the hard drive got stuck up on the platters. I had to open it up with these um, these hex screws. I had I, this drive, I opened the top, the top of the hard drive popped off and I see like this arm the you know, the, the, the arm is like this uh, piece that comes up kind of like a, the, the pin on a record player or something, you know, the needle, you drop the needle onto the platter and then it reads the data there is kind of the idea. So these, there's like four platters that are stacked on each other. And then this, this kind of uh, pretty complicated arm system that reads that data. And then it ended up getting stuck up on that arm. I think it's, I don't know, part of some firmware failure problem. It's all kind of complicated. 
But I open it up, I reset the arm back down, and I still can't read the data on the drive. So it's just kind of making a weird screechy sound now, which is uh, worse. The good news is almost all the data that was on that four terabyte drive was backed up in a second location. So I'm able to rebuild, I'm able to reconstruct all the, the data that would have been on that drive that I would have lost. There's a few things that I did lose that I am frustrated about, but it's also not really a mission critical failure. Like I had a bunch of um, audio samples that were downloaded for Logic Pro 10. I think like 80 gigabytes of samples, something like that. It was a big file to download. That got erased. I didn't have those files backed up, those sample files. No problem, really, because I can just re-download all those files off of the internet again, and so I can get that, that data reconstructed. The cloud's a good solution. It doesn't mean it's lost forever, but it is also frustrating that it's just not as fast to rebuild or uh, you know get right back to where I was in my working state um, without having like a physical drive that is just that drive back up. And so I'm really trying to get into that more of, man, I gotta pay for another 100 bucks to get another really big drive to make a full backup of this stuff that's stays pretty current that I just kind of keep off to the side. Because if it exists once, it doesn't exist at all. And if it exists twice, you can count on existing only once. And I think they say for photographers or for people that end up managing a lot of media data or you know a lot of terabytes of data over a lot of years, what they say to do for filing this sort of stuff is have it exist in three places. You know, So you have a, 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 a whole series of redundancies where you have one that exists offsite, you have your data, you have a backup of that data that's local, you have a backup of that data, so it's duplicated local, and then you have another triplicate of that in an offsite location so that if something happens, you can get it back. I think a lot of people either have a hard drive that they load up with all that information and leave at another house, or they have a hard hard drive of information that they have uh, transfer over a data connection up to a cloud service where they can store all that uh, that information on a server and then pull that off over time. Sometimes the least expensive way to do that is by using the Amazon Glacier services, uh, which is like a glacial storage. <laughs> or I don't know what it really means, but it's like, it's like this cold storage. It's where the drive doesn't spin up constantly. You can't get to it right now. Like in 30 seconds, you can't go to an Amazon page like you can with an S2 box and get your data active. It's it's in a cold storage system so that it's 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 been put on the internet, it's on a disk, and then now it's no longer spun up and active. And so when you want the data back, you kind of go to a portal, you select that, hey, I'm going to want to access this, this block of data, so make this active for me, and then it'll be like 24 hours or something like that, and then you, you'll have access to that, that bucket of data again out of cold storage. Now it's warmed up, now you can pull it down. And, uh, and get a copy of your data. And so all this, it's a good idea. It's cheap. It's inexpensive to do that sort of stuff, but also store hard drives in some ways. So um, sort of having like a mix of all these things sort of grouped together is, I think, a, a great way to, to kind of build a, a solid backup strategy. I feel a lot safer now having like all of my photos backed up on Amazon Photos. It's frustrating because they're going to use the data that they collect by reading that through computer algorithms to do more stuff in their sort of artificial intelligence, facial recognitioning, image recognition stuff that they're trying to put together, all that sort of uh, the big bad Amazon image that's out there. It exists. It exists. It's also kind of the world that exists. And it's also really nice to have all my silly landscape photos from Cavic Trips backed up in a place where if, uh, if I torch all my hard drives, I still do have that 10 years of work that I put in 
uh, in the past. So it's not always up to date. It's not always a perfect uh, copy of the images, but in its in its kind of best way, it just breaks down into having a backup that is somewhere that I can kind of keep and it's under control. And that's really a cool part of it. Just having like a drive that you think is a good backup, even like a, a pretty current backup of a lot of stuff. Like I was saying, I have this drive that failed backed up, but the last month or so, last three or four weeks or so of content that I put specifically on that drive is gone. doesn't affect my photos, which is great. That's all kind of on its own sort of built out system, but it does affect, like I was saying, some sound stuff that I was recording um, some video files, some stuff from my phone that I was transferring over, just some like downloads and documents and stuff. All that sort of stuff kind of got poofed and I don't think I can get it back. It's kind of weird. So it's great that I can rebuild most of it. It's great that none of it was very valuable, but it's not great to lose it. And it sort of feels weird when a hard drive goes toast. And man, if it's your external hard drive and you think, well, I put it on the external and it's not on my computer anymore, so it must be backed up. Man, I've just seen so many people getting hot water and not be able to get their data back because of, uh, of some kind of system failure or operating system failure. Man, that happened a ton in the past when Windows would run for, what, two years or something, and then it would crash or crap out on some somebody's computer from 2004, 5, or 6. And then I'd be asked to kind of like get stuff off of it. It's like, I don't know, man. It's I'm probably not going to be able to get your documents or your saved game file off of this. It's just going to be a wiped hard drive, and you're going to put a new version of Windows on it because it's corrupt, and there's no backup. And that's sort of where you get put at with a lot of these uh, digital services as they exist now and their the kind of lack of, the fundamental lack of um, stability kind of uh, short-term things as they are. So it's kind of weird kind of playing a hopscotch or like a hot potato system and getting it to one working hard drive to the next working hard drive to the next working hard drive and uh, and kind of keeping that all in duplicate. So kind of trippy, but thanks for checking out this uh, episode of the podcast. Listen to me talk about studio stuff, books, and hard drives. I think it's, uh, it's, all, it's all pretty fun. I'll probably talk about more, I don't know, more hard drive backup stuff in the future, but maybe we've all heard enough of that. Who knows? So uh, I appreciate you guys tuning into this episode of the podcast. You can go to billynewmanphoto.com if you want to check out more information about me. You can also go to the billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support page to support the value for value model that we have for this podcast. And uh, any donations are always appreciated. You can also go to patreon.com forward slash billynewmanphoto if you want to support the podcast through Patreon. Appreciate you guys tuning in. I'll talk to you again next time. Thank you.